is Ben Herman. I teach at Holland Christian. I'm at our middle school this year, actually. Uh, I think in the program it still says high school, but it's switched. Um, so I teach middle school math now. Um, I gave a similar talk last year about Desmos, um, and one of the biggest uh, things of feedback I got from people was that they wanted time to explore a little more versus going through an activity and actually come away with something. Um, so hopefully uh, we'll accomplish that. So quick, quick poll, um, how many people are at the uh, middle school level? How many people teach at middle school level? Um, secondary, the rest all secondary, awesome, okay, cool. Just gives me an idea. And how many people, uh, how many people have used Desmos for something before? Just like basic graphing, all right, awesome. Um, how many people have used the activity builder? Has it created? Or yeah, like, or used, not created, but maybe used a little bit. Okay, awesome. Cool, cool. Um, so that gives me an idea of where we're going. So our, our ultimate goal um, is for you to come away with something, uh, some activity that you're not necessarily creating the whole thing. Um, that's the nice thing about Desmos is there's a ton out there that you can copy and edit now. Um, but hopefully come away with something that you can use really soon in a class that you're actually teaching. So you come away with something tangible. Um, I think a lot of times when I come to CEA, it, I'm filled with a lot of thoughts afterwards, um, but then I have to take the next step to do something actionable from there, and hopefully we can take care of both those things in the hour that we have. Um, if you want a copy of my presentation, uh, and I, there's a bunch of links in here, so that would be a good thing to write down somewhere, um, bit.ly slash desmocea19 will take you to the Google folder that this presentation is in, so you can access it. It's just public out there. Um, and capitals matter for bit.ly links. Um, so the capital D and then the capital CEA will matter for that. Um, but there's a lot of links in there. I think that's something that you want that you can go back to for. So hopefully there's a lot of resources in there for you to utilize later, and I'll touch on some of those. Um, so our overall plan, uh, we're going to, I think, instead of really exploring a Desmos activity, we're going to explore an activity builder and then give you time to actually build an activity from there, and I can kind of help out and answer questions and see what things we can find. Um, so we're really going to explore the teacher side of the activity builder, give you something you can copy and use and edit a little bit, um, and then we'll discuss some other implementations that you can use for uh, Desmos. Um, so why Desmos, uh, I think is a, a question we need to answer to start. Um, TI graphing calculator is a basic 83, so a basic 83 that's been out for a long time. You can still find for $95 on Amazon. Right? Um, the TI 84 Plus CE, the like color version, is actually 130 some dollars now. Right? Uh, those haven't gone down in price forever. Um, so there's a cartoon. I just cut parts of it uh, in here. So this guy's saying, "How is it that computers are millions of times faster, and my phone is millions of times faster than a?" Um, than a graphing calculator, but their prices remain stable, and he goes to the economics department and tells them that. Right? Um, there's a couple more in here, but in the end, they decide to make graphing calculators the world's currency reserve because it hasn't changed in value for like decades now. Yeah, right? Um, so uh, I think especially now with smartphones, with more schools having computer access all the time, that's something that we really need to grapple with. Do we need a graphing calculator that to a lot of my students is not intuitive anymore? 
Um, like when I learned it going through middle school, I thought it was really cool because that was probably the highest level piece of technology that I would learned up to that point. Kids now don't think graphic calculators are cool, they think they're annoying. Um, and that's something that I think Desmos is trying to address. Uh, this fall there was a, an article put out by The Hustle. Uh, it was called, In the Era of the 100 Plus Graphing Calculator, $100 Plus. Um, is that coming to an end? And it kind of discusses the ins and outs of Texas Instruments, but there are a couple key points that it hit on. Um, one of the good quotes from there, it says, it's an absolute, or an obsolete piece of technology has managed to maintain a stranglehold on an increasingly tech-savvy education market. And you think about all the tech-savvy things we have in the ed world now, and we still use graphing calculators. Um, one analyst placed the cost to produce a TI-84 Plus at around $15 to $24, meaning TI sells it for profit margin, including all the things they pay for to distribute, all that kind of stuff, um, of nearly 50%. That's crazy. Right? Um, and that's being marketed to millions of kids. Um, I also pointed out an interesting fact, though. Um, in TI is a huge company, and they put the graphing calculators in the other category of what they make, and this is their earnings in that other category since 2014. Um, so not too many years, and it's gone down significantly, about $0.8 billion in that category. So I think we're seeing that shift. Um, and another important thing to note, we can't feel bad for TI because they're a $15.8 billion company in revenue. That were, that's a tiny portion of it. So it's not like this is even going to have a massive effect on Texas Instruments. It's just kind of a cash out for them right now. Um, so just some things to, to think about regarding that. Um, it's also coming on uh, in state assessments. Um, so at this time last year when I gave this, there were 21 states that had adopted it for their electronic versions of assessments. Um, so if a state has an electronic version, the embedded calculators in those now are coming from decimals. Um, this year it's up to 31 right now. Um, so there's a lot of states on the east side of the country um, that have adopted it officially. And probably the biggest announcement from Desmos um, is that I believe last week the or International Baccalaureate IB programs has, have adopted that as their official graphing calculator in any electronic assessment, um, which is huge. Um, AP would be the next big one to fall. Um, and they're also piloting it in uh, online versions of the ACT right now. Um, so it's something that's really coming as those assessments become uh, more online and more done through tech. Uh, that's really the biggest limiter for people with calculators. Um, we have to sell that the only thing you can use right now is a CI-83. So why do we use it? And we've justified that for a long time. Yeah? That, that, that was going to be my comment. It's the elephant in the room. Yeah. I mean, the ACT-SAT is everything to these kids. Yeah, that's so the biggest I, thing. I have to get them ready for that. Mm -hmm. And they can't use Desmos on that right now. Yeah, and it's the, it's the biggest thing you have to grapple with, especially at the secondary level, is I have a really intuitive tool in Desmos that people can visualize stuff with, and it probably meets the, uh, the user of the students in a better place. But then this is the only thing I can use on a standardized assessment. So it's pairing those things is, is really the trouble now. Um, and I would like to think that at some point within the next five to ten years, we aren't going to have to deal with that. But we'll see. Um, but if the more those become electronic, the better that outcome becomes. Right. Yeah. So, but I, I begin picking that up as a big deal. 
Um, so these are some of the basic calculators that they use just in their testing. Uh, they have an app. I tell kids that's how they know they're cool if they have that app on their phone. Um, they have a scientific calculator, so like middle school level, it's probably more something you could have kids use if they can use devices. Um, and probably the biggest new features they have are statistics features. So they've, used a lot, they've had a lot of just graphing things before. Um, now you can put in element lists and create box plots and histograms and it calculates quartiles. Um, so that was one of the pieces that was missing before that now you can do pretty intuitively. Um, so we're going to skip some of the actually playing the activity. Um, what I'd like you to do is go to teacher.desmos.com. Uh, if you have an account on teacher.desmos.com, um, that's great. Uh, then you just want to log in. If you don't have one, you need to create one right now because we're going to play around with a Desmos activity. Um, so take a minute to make sure that you're logged in. Um, once you are logged in, you can go to this link. So once you have an account, and again, capitals matter there. If anyone has a problem logging in or anything, let me know. You should be able to, just, if you have a uh, Google account, you should be able to sign in with a Google account. Um, if you already have a account, you can log in. So if you click these uh, three little dots over here, one of those options is going to be to copy and edit. So you want to copy and edit that right now, and then that adds it to your list of the actual activities. Oh, maybe we need, does it say something about a computation layer before you? Yes. Uh, okay. All right, so let's do this. I don't know what to do that when you copied stuff because I have a sign. Um, instead, if you click on your name up here, um, and you want to click on Desmos Labs, 
So click the drop-down arrow next to your name, click on Desmos Labs. And you want all three of these things to be checked. Yep, so you want to check all of those. So those are just functionalities that you have in Desmos. Yep, and then you can hit save. Hang out, right? And now you should be able to copy that. That's where does where does that go? Go to another one. That's right. I still Hang on. He's the the link. Here. Let's check all of those. And then you should be able to just click go back a couple times. And then go to Here. So I created an activity that has kind of all of the features that you can use in the activity builder. Um, so we can look at kind of like how I created them, what you're seeing on the teacher end when you're creating it. Um, and then through the preview section, we can look at what students would see too. So we can get an idea of, of what's going on there. Um, as we're going through the different slides, if you have a question at some point, raise your hand and ask it. Right? If you want to know what one of the buttons does, something like that, why I chose something, Make sure you ask it. I don't want to just be up here kind of monologuing what I'm doing the whole time. Um, and uh, yeah, so let's get started here. Um, the first thing, uh, the most basic thing that you can do is just create a note. So the first slide of my activity is simply a um, is simply a note here. So it's telling what this tutorial is set up to do. Um, so some things that you can do here. Um, screens shows all of the screens that you actually have. If you click on details up top, that just gives you the actual like basics of the presentation. So if you went to the link for this, this is what would show up. So we want to see the screens. Um, if you go to preview on any slide, you get what the student view would look like. Um, so this is what the student would see when they log into the activity, and this is the first screen. Um, and you can play around in all of those screens. So if you want to check to see if something works, you can click preview, you can play around, you can man manipulate the graphs and check it while you're doing the activity. So you don't have to create it and then go back through and run through and hope it works. You can kind of do that while you're creating slides. Um, and you can even click through to the rest of the slides. So students will have these arrows up here and that's how they navigate through this. 
you can do the same thing after you've created an activity and kind of run through to make sure everything sequences. And then to X out, you can just click that X and you get back to your edit screens. Okay. Um, so first slide is that. Uh, when you have these slides, you can duplicate things. So if, you're, if you want a couple examples of something in a row, you can click on those three little dots on a slide. Um, you can delete it, or you can duplicate it, and it duplicates everything that's on that slide. So if you wanted to just slightly change a graph or a detail, you can duplicate it, change that detail, everything's already set for you. And you can do that for any of the slides as you go through. Um, so that can be really handy. Um, and we'll just play around with the introduction slide. So all of the options here are things that you can add in to a slide. So right now, I just have um, a note chosen. If I wanted to put in a graph on that slide, I could click Graph. And then this is the graph that shows up. And I can click on that to edit it. So if you wanted to put a linear equation on there, you can put a linear equation on there. Um, <coughs> however you have the window set, is what students see. So if you had it like really zoomed out, they would see a negative 50 to 50 window. Um, if you want to choose from the wrench over here, that gives all of your graph settings. Um, if you want a specific window with specific labels, you can do that. That's what the student is going to see. So however you leave a graph is what a student is going to see. So if you're, if you're playing around with the graph and you're like editing and panning around and stuff like that, you kind of forget that you did that um, and save an activity, a student's going to see that. They might get a really wonky view. So I've done that a couple times when I've created an activity. Um, but you can do that. And then you can click Done, and it shows that graph. Uh, so let's X out of that. Um, you can also put a table in. So you can fill in values. If you just want to look at a table of something growing or some pattern, you can put the values into that table. So then that's all that they see. Um, there's some drop-down options here for inserting columns. So it doesn't have to just be like a two-column table that they see. You can put in a lot of data there. So just a question. Could you, yeah. could you make an empty table and have the kids edit it? Can they edit this? Um, can they make their own copy? And edit yes, they can, they can edit the tables when they get put in there. So you, you can, can. So, like, if they would they make their own copy and they put their own data, or would that be automatic? You would, you would have it show up as a blank table. Uh -huh. um, so, if you had a table like this, I believe, we can go to the preview screen. So, if I was a student and saw this, um, I can then, like, this is the table that I have in there right now. Okay. Then they could actually, like, punch in numbers. And would it go on to everybody's or just their own? Um, it would go on to just their own. Okay. Yeah, so that's the nicest thing when you've created an activity. Um, and I'll show kind of the teacher side of going through an activity from what I've done recently. Uh, once we go through the activity builder, but you can see every individual kid's screen somehow. Um, so if you have 30 kids in your class, you can see their progress. You can see what screen they're on. Um, and you can even see their graph change in real time as they're editing stuff. Um, which is pretty powerful. But this would just show up on one kid's screen. Um, the other option to do is a sketch. So if you choose graph or table, they're putting in actual graphs, they're putting in actual tables. Um, the sketch feature uh, can be pretty handy. So if you click sketch, you can change the background. So you can just have a blank black or blank white background. Um, you can have an editable graph. So there's a graph that they can sketch on, so you can put in a line that you want them to sketch around. 
Um, you can put in images. So if you have a custom image that you want them to mark somehow, um, you can put in a custom image, and they'll be able to sketch on top of that. Um, but if I just choose a graph, and I went to preview, um, their mouse will just become kind of a sketching tool. They can draw anything on here. Uh, they can draw line segments. They can erase everything. Or they can just clear everything. Um, so that can be handy for doing some things too. So it depends on what you want them to do, but they can do that. And again, on this graph, you can edit it and put in some equations or lines or what have you, and they can draw up that. Um, and then the last couple options here are different ways that they can give input to something. Uh, so if I have uh, input, they have an answer box down here. Um, so they would be typing in some answer. And whenever they show an answer, um, students will see their classmates' responses or not, depending on what you check. Um, so if you want people to see everyone else's answers after they've en entered something, so they have to hit submit and then it'll show a bunch of answers, um, you can have that checked. If you don't want them to see it, uncheck it. They'll just put in their answer, submit it, and go to the next slide. Um, if you want it to just be typed text, you can choose text. If you want it to be an actual equation that you want them to put in, you can choose the math version. Um, and again, you can show students answers, and you can also ask them to explain something. So if you wanted them to give an equation with a line that has a positive slope, they could put in the equation, you click ask to explain, then below that they have to explain and say, I chose this equation because, da, 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 da. you can see both of those things. That becomes a required field. Yeah, so that becomes a required field. Yep. Do they see the, like who put in what response, or is it just like a class? Um, yes, they see who put in what response. Um, when you are running the activity as the teacher, you can choose to either show their actual names or anonymize it. So if you anonymize it, it gives everyone a name of a famous like scientist or mathematician, and then that's what shows up. So it would be like Rene Descartes said this. Um, something like that. So that's kind of a choice you can make as you're, as you're going through activities. And then, of course, it always becomes a thing like, oh, my name's, uh, what, you know, where does my name show up and, and whatever thing. Um, and then the last option is choice. Uh, I'm going to get rid of these things here. So um, this is big. Um, you can do multiple choice. Uh, you can just do simple. You can have them explain after they make a choice, or it can just be pure multiple choice. Um, or you can do multi-select. So you could say, you know, select all of the answers that have a positive y-intercept, and then they have to choose as many as possible. Um, and you can get readouts of what they actually see. So those are all the options, and then you've got a geometry tool that you can put in. Um, so we won't play with the geometry tool yet. All right, um, so let's look at a couple of these. So you can just see some of the different things as I've used them. Um, in the first slide here, uh, I have them, this is all meant to just be exploring the y-intercept, just a really basic concept for that anyone can kind of um, jump into. So this is what I saw when I was creating the slide. Um, if you want things to show up on a graph but you don't want kids to see it, the best way to do that is by creating a folder. Uh, so this gear or the, sorry, the addition sign over here, you can add an item, and you can add a folder. So 
Anything I don't want kids to see, I always just call that folder guts. It's the guts of whatever graph I have. Um, and if I click hide this folder from students, they can't see anything that's put in there. Um, so you can have all sorts of equations, labels, all that kind of stuff to make what you want to show up, and then you hide all that. So if a kid sees this slide, if I go to preview, this is all they see. So they have some directions. They can see what the equation is that we're using. And then this slider is what they're manipulating. So as they drag that along, they can see what that point is doing. But that's all they see. Um, so I just, in this folder, I put the point zero comma B. So whatever this B value is down here, that shows up. Um, if you want it to have a label on there, you can label a point. So I could label that like y-intercept, and then it shows it as the y-intercept. If I just want the point to show up, then I'll just show the coordinates of that point. So it depends on what you want students to see. Um, and at any of these lines, if you want text to show up, if you start quotations, then it'll switch to enter note, and you can type in any directions or anything that you want, kids. Uh, anything you need to explain about a graph that they're seeing. Um, after this one, I just had them do a summary. So I had a note for an equation that they're seeing, uh, or for the question, and then I had them just do an input, so they're just doing a text input. So as students see this, um, they're going to see my text, so that's the question I want them to ask, and then they type in and hit explain. So they can say, I saw, and then when they share with class, Three other students' responses would show up there after they submit it, because that's what I had chosen for that activity. Uh, if you go down to slide five, slide five is a card sort. Um, and card sorts can be really handy uh, for just getting like really basic formative assessment of certain concepts, because you can group cards into however many groups you want. Um, so as students see this slide, these are all the cards that they have. So they can drag cards on top of each other, and that creates a group. Um, so here I just wanted positive y-intercepts and negative y-intercepts. And I can pull these apart, so that would have a positive y-intercept, drags on top, and then you'd have two ultimate groups of all the cards that they have. Um, for these card sorts, you can create an answer key. Um, and the cards can be, I was just putting text in for these cards. Uh, and then for the answer key, I, I have these set up. So those were all the positive ones, all the negative ones. And then in the teacher version, when you're running the activity, you can see whether kids got it all right, whether they missed some, and so forth. So I can show one where that's done. Um, and again, you can put in math or text. You can put in images. So if you wanted them to sort images somehow, um, you can put in graphs. You can make a bunch of different graphs, have those be cards that they're, they're dragging around. Um, any type of, uh, anything you want, really, you can have them in a card sort. Uh, then let's look at six. Um, one of the things I, I did a lot when I was teaching high school classes and going over different function types um, was sketching. 
because uh, I wanted a basic idea of did they know whether a parabola opens up or down? Did they know where a y-intercept should, should be? Did they know a general shape of a graph? Right? Um, so sketching is one that's pretty powerful. Um, so here in this slide, they're asked to sketch a graph of this equation, so y equals 2x plus 4. Um, so in this activity that I made, I'm looking for y-intercept stuff, um, just to be really basic. Uh, so if they sketch a graph, if we have this go through, that's going to be terrible because I was looking on that screen. Um, if we have this go, and they get used to this, but some people will be really diligent and like put dot points, and then they'll connect them all. Some kids will just be like, oh, it goes through four, and they'll have some line going through four. It just kind of depends. Um, but with one of the things we turned on was the computation layer. Uh, and with that, you can do things like this where their sketch shows up on the correct graph so they can get automatic feedback of whether or not that graph was correct. So they can say, okay, I thought that's what my sketch was, this is what it actually looks like, and then they can give themselves some feedback. So this was right, this was off, this is what I need to change, and so forth. Okay. Um, yeah. Students don't need to turn on the computation layer, that's just built into building the program? That's just built into building it, yeah. So that's purely on your end. Students just log into that activity and they can see this. Um, so to utilize that, each of these, we haven't paid much attention to this yet, each of these things, like these slides, they'll just say like unlabeled something up here. So when I created this, this was just an unlabeled sketch. But if I name this sketch 1, the computation layer comes in the next slide. So if you click on the check 1, and then you click on this gear, the computation layer is really a little bit of coding that you can do in the, the activity builder. Um, there are teachers out there that are crazy with it. Um, I'm not nearly that much. I copy and paste from other things and figure out how it works. Um, and put it in there. So what you would have to do if you're creating an activity and you want to do something like this, you would copy this whole line of code, this sketch layer, put it into your own activity where you wanted to check it, and you just have to change this name right here. So if you change it to sketch 1 because you have a sketch 1, it's going to pull that graph in every time. Okay. Um, so you can copy and paste that, put it in, and play around with that. Um, Desmos has a whole website devoted to like tutorials for computation layers, so you can get as crazy as you want. I just find stuff and copy and paste and figure out how it works. Um, I'm not as computer programming savvy as, as that may seem. Um, and I had them do this twice. So it was sketch lines two, I called sketch two. I duplicated the first check, and the only thing that I changed is that that's called sketch two now instead of sketch one. So it pulls in their sketch two, puts that on top of what the correct graph is. So once you've done that once, you can even just copy and paste that, and that's a really simple change that you can make. Um, another thing that uh, I've done a lot is put in points that I want certain things to go through. Um, so it's really helpful with like parabolas uh, or polynomial functions that are, have a bunch of intercepts that they're going through. Um, but you can ask kids to draw 
type in equations that go through different points. So I want one that goes, a line that goes through yellow, through blue, through red, through purple. So again, I've created that folder up here where all those show up. Um, so I put those points put in. That's hidden from students, so they can't see it. They just see the directions that say to graph these lines. So they would put in equations here that go through this. And then I just have a summarized slide. Um, so it's multiple choice that they're selecting, randomizes choices. If you're worried about kids looking on another screen to see, oh, you picked the first choice, you picked the second choice, what have you, it'll randomize them for you so they're not all the same. Um, and you can see what students select. And then the last thing I did a couple examples of are just marble slides. Um, if you haven't used it, uh, it's addicting. Um, it's probably the thing that you get, like if you pause a marble slide, um, you will get like a very audible groan from kids in the class. Um, but the gist of it is they're trying to create graphs. So these balls that launch get all the stars. Um, so they're coming up with the equations that the balls are bouncing off of. They bounce, they act like there's gravity in the screen. I don't know how they've programmed all this stuff on Desmos Zen, um, but it's, it's really fun to see kids go through. Um, what you are doing as you're creating these uh, is you can change where the ball goes and you can change where the stars are. So any coordinates that you put in, those are all the places that stars go. So you can kind of have it follow the path of a parabola. You can have it go in two different lines if you want to go in different places. Um, you're setting up the challenge for students and then they have to put in the graphs to actually get that to happen. Um, just like any other graphs, uh, a lot of times when I'm doing this, um, these are ones that I copy and pasted from somewhere, um, but I'll have a folder with the, the equations that I'm playing around with to make sure that it works somehow, um, and then that's hidden, uh, and they just see the stars and the drop ball, um, and then they get to play around with it. Uh, but you get some pretty, uh, it's fun, you get some crazy creations with it. Uh, it's a great way to stress domain and range, um, which I think is started on this slide. So if you put brackets, uh, that's the domain being uh, closed down to x is less than 4, so this line cuts off here. And it's a really intuitive way for kids to start doing domain and range. Um, you could do this, I did this with 8th graders last year um, in one of my classes. They'd never known what domain and range was before, and they had a really tangible view of cutting off those functions. Um, if I use that in a high school class when you're introducing domain and range, if I got back to that level and was at that point, I think that's something that I would consider because it gives them a really tangible way of, oh, that thing stops there. Um, and they've used it in a fun context. Now we can actually discuss it. Um, so those are just some, some marbles, uh, marble slides. All right. So any of these slides, if you wanted to uh, copy and paste them, uh, you can copy and paste slides into another activity. So if you find one somewhere uh, in the time that you have to kind of look around in a little bit, um, you can copy and paste a single slide. So if you wanted the sketching lines one, you could do command copy on that. If you had another tab open that had another activity, you could hit command V, that whole slide goes in there. Um, so sometimes when I'm creating an activity, if I like just a portion of someone else's, I can just copy and paste a portion into the one that I'm actually creating. Right. 
Um, so let me show the teacher view for just a sec from a, a previous activity, and then we'll, I'll give you some resources that you can look around a little bit um, and see if there's some that you can find. Um, so from the teacher screen that you see, um, one of the handy things that you can do now is actually make collections so you can organize them. This used to just be a giant list, um, but now if you teach separate classes or you want to break it into different categories, you can do that. So I have some for my advanced math class, regular, um, and these are from some of my older high school classes that I taught. Um, so if I want to add that, this plus sign up here, you can add it to one or multiple collections of yours. Um, your history shows any activities that you've done recently. Um, so these are all ones that I've created a code for and students have gone through. Um, let me look for... What is a good one? Actually... dashboard looks like. So students will get a code. They go to student.desmos.com, enter the code so they get into the activity. Um, your dashboard shows everyone that's logged in uh, and it shows all the slides. Um, if you anonymize, that's where it creates all the anonymous names for kids. So if, if you show this screen, they don't actually see kids' names or when they're doing responses. You can also choose to pace it. So if I cut off an activity. If I only want kids to do the first four slides at the beginning, um, I don't want some of the kids skipping to the end, you can restrict it, and kids can't get past that fourth slide. Um, so if you really want them to actually focus, not jump to the end, that can be uh, helpful. You can edit that while they're going, so you can add a slide, so maybe now they're ready to go to the fifth, to the sixth, or you can just stop it. Um, these dots show where people are. So if everyone was actually in this activity, a lot of those would have dots, and you can see, like, just get a general view. Everyone's halfway. Everyone's three-quarters. Someone's really far behind. Um, without actually walking around the room and watching screens, you can see that. Um, if you click on an individual slide, you can see everyone's graphs here. Uh, and if I click on the card sort, I can see all the, the card sorts. Um, so these people, if you see all greens, they're good. Uh, if someone had done this and they've gotten things mismatched, it would show up as red. So you have a really quick visual of, do kids get that? Do they not? Is it something you need to talk about? So forth. Um, let's see. Uh, for like summary questions, you can go through and see what everyone put. So you can see their responses and just quickly scroll down through those. Um, and then another thing you can do, uh, you can see all these individually. Uh, another cool thing is that you can overlay them. So this shows everyone responses on top of each other. Um, so you can get a good idea pretty quickly doing an overlay. If all the graphs match up, you're pretty good. If it's all over the place, then you might have something to talk about. Um, and the last thing that's really helpful in the teacher view uh, is what's called snapshots. So if you click on the, the little camera icon for anything, that'll add it to your list of snapshots. So if you have graphs that you want to see, if you have wrong responses you want to look at, you can click on one of those. 
it'll show up in your snapshot. So maybe I want to just look at these three. Um, and maybe I want to look at, oh, and this is an aside. Um, for the multiple choice questions, you can get a really good idea just by these bars of what people chose. Um, and, it and it shows names so you can know people to talk to. That can be helpful. Um, if I wanted this person's response, I can do a snapshot on that. And then if you go to snapshots, everything shows up in here. And you can drag it into a presentation. And I can ask a question about it, put a comment up there. And then I can show this to my whole class and say, OK, here's someone's graph. Would ask a question up here. Then you have a piece that you can talk about really quickly. If you would put that up, then that would be anonymous? Um, yeah, because I have it anonymous right now, it's anonymous. So anytime you have it anonymous, it won't show up. If you had it changed, it would show someone's name. So it just depends. Um, and while you're looking at these, you can even manipulate things. So if someone was just off, you can even click on that and say, oh, what if we change that to 7, then does that change? Um, so it doesn't change in that person's graph, but from what you can see, it changes. So you can, you're not just talking about something, you can manipulate it if you want to. All right, so any questions from that view? I don't want to go too fast, but I want to give you some time to look for some things, too. Um, the other thing you can always do is pause. So if you just want everyone to stop, um, you can hit pause. People can't do anything. They screen show green. It's another time you probably get a lot of groans. And then they're forced to pay attention to whatever you're actually doing. All right. Um, so let's go back to here. Uh, in this, uh, yeah, this is an overlay one. Um, it's supposed to be drawing a circle. Those points are all equidistant from a midpoint. You can see some don't get that. It gives you some, like, we shouldn't be getting a square there. That's a good thing to have a discussion about. Um, I used to show codes like this, like all the codes on one slide, and then I had kids going into different classes. I would show one code at a time. Um, I had a kid playing a polygraph from another class. They should not have been in polygraphs in science, although that's cool. That's cool. Not probably appropriate. <laughs> um, some people have been starting to use this for assessments. Uh, so free response questions, sketching, multiple choice. Um, so there's some resources for assessments. If you want to look at that, um, Jade Rulebach did a really good talk just purely on using Desmos for assessments. Um, there's a lot of resources in there. These are all links that you can go to um, to look for some info. Uh, this will probably be the most helpful right now. Um, these are some people that have a decent amount of activities categorized. Um, so this one is mostly K-8. Uh, this is Algebra, Algebra 2. Um, this just gives a bunch of links. Uh, this gives demos. Uh, that's for a lot of higher level stuff, uh, some things in calculus. Uh, but if you want to see a demo of something happening, um, this filing cabinet has a lot of resources. And then Math, Twitter, Blogosphere, I think there's like 700 things in there that are categorized. Um, but a lot of times what I do, honestly, is just Google it. So last two weeks ago, I was looking at integers. Um, and I simply Googled integers Desmos activity, came up with a whole bunch of links. I could click on one, look at someone's activity, see what I liked about it, copy it. Um, that's the quickest way to get to activities. Um, 
And then this just has some links for, uh, for Desmos. Um, so if you want to learn about just some basic things, how do you graph ordered pairs, looking at tables, sliders, it can do regression. Um, those are all links that talk about that a little more. And then learn.desmos.com uh, has all sorts of different categories. Statistics is the big new one they have. So if you want to use it for stats, you can go there. Um, but if you go to learn.desmos.com, um, this just has tutorials for all sorts of topics. Um, so you can look at derivatives, functions, lists, integrals, and inequalities. Um, and they have kind of activities that you can go through that kind of teaches you how to use certain aspects of Desmos. Um, and then if you want to play around with the computation layer, Jay Chow did a lot of work. He has these scavenger hunts you can go through so you can learn how to use that. Um, and Desmos has some of their own stuff too. Right, um, so the link for the materials is there. Um, I'll wrap up in uh, a little bit, just talking about a couple of the slides that were in there. Um, but I, what I'd really like for you to do is go through one of those links and see if you can find something that you can use pretty soon. Um, so if you want to copy parts of an activity, if you just want to find one that you can use wholesale, that's great. Um, but see if you can find something that you can use, and if you play around a little bit, I can answer some questions. If you say, hey, I want to do this in here instead, um, we can try and figure that out. So see what you can find.